What's up, everybody? Welcome to this bonus round episode of Not Your Average Nerds. I'm your host, Rudy Vela, and joining me on today's little adventure down the rabbit hole is... It's me, Joel Wagner. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Jedi Master himself, Joel Wagner, is here because who better to talk Star Wars with than, uh, you know, better than Joel? <laughs> but, so uh, much Star Wars goodness to go over, too. Oh, yeah. And more precisely, The Mandalorian. So um, as I'm sure a lot of you know, The Mandalorian Chapter 13 just dropped this past Friday and... Uh, we're aware that we missed talking about a couple episodes now, and for that, we apologize. But um, as amazing as last week's episode was, we're going to be focusing on this past episode um, due to, you know, how damn good it was. <laughs> um, now, I'll say this. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard knows how to make a Mandalorian look super super badass she did such a great job with that so many highlights i actually want to say that was um the thing that i messaged the group uh, is that she knows how to make a, a mandalorian look amazing <laughs> oh yeah I, I think that uh that hallway scene where they're fighting down that corridor oh my god you're seeing some prime mandalorians and it's just tearing it up it's <laughs> a really cool scene so that actually takes me to what is probably going to be my first question of many of today, because uh, you're going to know way more about all of this going on than I do. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to ask, with so many highlights of this past episode, Joel, what scene sits at number one for that episode to you? The one that, that she directed or this last one? The one that uh, Ron Howard's daughter directed. Oh, and okay. for those of you that don't know, that is in fact uh, Ron Howard's daughter. Um, I, I threw that out there and Juan didn't know that. So I was like, I wonder who else doesn't know that. But yeah, amazing actress, amazing, amazing director as we just saw last week. Yeah, I, I think it had to be that hallway fight scene. They're taking over that ship as it's flying off into space mm -hmm. and uh, just seeing them work cooperatively and, and just taking down people left and right. It was very tactical and just very high energy and I, I loved it. Okay. Yeah, I know that that was in a like that was epic as hell. And even even that uh that that last scene, I mean I, I don't well before we even get like any further, let me throw this out there. Uh couple little, you know, um warnings, if you will. Uh there's probably gonna be some language that's not suitable for everybody, as we say on every episode. So be aware of that. And on top of that heavy spoilers there's gonna be heavy spoilers for the mandalorian going up to the latest episode so if you have not watched any of that uh you've been warned <laughs> but yeah uh I, I i love the the part where you know he goes running in with those um uh grenades of sorts yeah and he's just taking all that damage <laughs> like when i saw that i was like holy crap <laughs> but um yeah he's a tank for sure He's not wearing stormtrooper armor, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed that scene where um, he, you know, I, as much as it pissed me off, I knew it was happy. I knew it was coming when that dude was lining up the child, um, who now we know the name of, and we'll get to that in a second. But when he was lining him up on that ship and he smacks him into that cage, when the those three Mandalorians drop down and, you know, they do their work and everything, and then we get that scene again where he's just constantly 
let down and disappointed because everybody keeps taking their helmet off. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of laughed at that because, like, I understand. Like, I, I felt bad for him because he's he's just trying to find somebody who is essentially pure and following the same, you know, the same footsteps the same as creed. he is. Yeah, the same creed as him. And every time he thinks he has that, he's like, well, well damn. <laughs> Well, what's interesting about uh, about that episode, it really kind of goes into detail how his his clan uh, of Mandalorians are not the standard Mandalorian as far mm-hmm. as their culture is concerned. They're actually kind of the, the far extreme side of things where they take things very literal. Um, in a lot of the Clone Wars episodes, when they are on the planet Mandalore, the vast majority of Mandalorians don't wear helmets. Uh, they, they don't even wear battle armor most of the time. Okay. Um, at, at that point in the uh, Clone Wars, Mandalore had been kind of settled and, and, and had not been quite the, uh, the battle-hardened group of people that you know, you know as Mandalorians at that point. So uh, to see them taking their helmets off was probably a shock for him, but for, for Star Wars fans, it was probably pretty standard practice yeah for sure um yeah no i I just i think it's hilarious that he because like you said he's without like he's unknowing part of this extremist group from his planet or his people so to him it's just like you know it's a sacrilege (laughs) you're, you're not supposed to go through and take your helmet off so i don't know i just i enjoy seeing the visuals of his um like his uh physical acting you could just tell behind that helmet he has that like what the hell face yeah yeah <laughs> when he's just lifting up that helmet to drink a little bit and mm-hmm. yeah, the child kind of peeks underneath it and, <laughs> yeah yep yeah good stuff but i mean on top of that this this introduces to live action at, uh Pretty much. I mean, she, she's been, I don't know if she was in any of the games, but I know the animated um, shows and everything she's shown up, but uh, we get the live action first appearance of uh, Bo-Katan. Yes. And I know you were super excited about that leading up to all this. Yeah, Bo-Katan has a lot of just far-reaching implications for just connections throughout Star Wars lore. Mm-hmm. So bringing bringing her into it kind of, when, when they announced her, like, confirmed as being in the show, it, the light bulbs kind of started flashing for me as far as what was going to happen next. Because um, obviously she has a lot of connections to Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Um, she also has connections to the Darksaber. She was the last owner of that weapon. And she, she uh, name-dropped both of them. Yep. And then she also has connections to Sabine Wren, which is another Mandalorian that we see in Rebels. And on top of that, she uh, was the sister of Obi-Wan Kenobi's love interest in Clone Wars. Uh, oh, wow. Who, yeah. So um, the Duchess Satine, I want to say, is her name. And she was the ruler of Mandalore during the Clone Wars and uh, kind of secret lover of Obi-Wan. And she gets killed. And Bo-Katan kind of takes over as the, the leader of Mandalore afterwards. So um, there's a lot of far-reaching implications for having these characters in the show. So it's really cool to see them. Yeah, man, High Council members be going off the rails. We got Obi-Wan over here clapping cheeks of a Mandalorian and yep. Yoda doing the yaddle with Yaddle. Like, <laughs> well, possibly. Yeah, 
that's the funny thing about about the the expanded stuff with the the comics and with the cartoons in particular is they really show the hypocrisy of the Jedi Temple and the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like they speak all of these virtues of you know, <laughs> you can't give in to to love and you can't do this and you can't do that and uh, here they are on the side secretly <laughs> hiding away and doing that. So they yeah. got that side piece, but I mean I like that though because it it almost humanizes these characters or at least not 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 essentially humanizes them but it makes them more. Um, uh, you could relate to them more. It makes them more relatable because it makes them perfectly imperfect you know it's they want to follow this creed they want to be everything that they should be but i mean even something as simplistic as a love interest is holding them back so well, i think I, it also uh, i think it also shows that the strict regimen of the jedi is what kind of makes them weak mm-hmm. the, the the most powerful and just diehard jedis that you can think of are yoda obi-wan luke none of them stuck to those principles not 100 percent. yeah and because of it they were able to be stronger in ways that most jedi couldn't so even qui-gon jinn um he was a very wise jedi but uh, he he didn't quite stick to the guidelines of the uh the council or, or just the jedi way mm-hmm. and uh you see that he's a very worthy jedi as well so I don't know. I just think that uh, their their guidelines are kind of what brought them down, and their their hubris, you know, of of what they stand for, kind of brought them down. Yeah, man, Qui Gon Jinn. That's a uh, that's a name that was being thrown around so much during the last uh, trilogy. <laughs> it feels like I haven't heard that name in so long now. <laughs> Dude, you're gonna see. You're gonna probably see and hear a lot of it in that Obi Wan TV series. Oh Trust yeah, me. I can't wait oh, for yeah. that. Oh man, I yeah, I, I was thinking about that too recently because I mean, mostly because of this episode, um, a lot of the stuff that it drops, um, which we'll get into, I'm sure. But yeah, I'm super excited for that. I guess they're actually. I think they're already shooting. I think they're already on set or they were because there was this, um, uh, there was like this tweet or this little story about one of the workers who laid out, um, his robe, like his Jedi robe. And they caught, they said something about, uh, master Kenobi. And he said he had like the biggest smile on his face. (laughs) Dude. He is, he is the perfect Mm. Obi-Wan. They, they cast that per that, that character so perfectly. Uh, not only to match, you know, uh, Sir Alec Guinness, but just I don't know. He, he, he when you think of Obi Wan, you think of Ewan McGregor now. Like he, you can't think of anybody but him for that that role. Oh yeah, not at all. And that's why I'm happy that they're they're following the time or his timeline to where he can still portray the character because there was so right. much talk of you know going the route of uh, Solo, and we want to see a young Obi Wan Kenobi, and it's like no, you don't. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You want to see? You want to see this guy? You want to see Ian not McGregor? To get, not to get down a rabbit hole as far as Obi Wan, but I mean, we could also <laughs> with that live action series see uh, the Obi Wan Darth Maul fight where he he ends Maul because that's uh, when they're quite both quite old and it's on Tatooine. So, oh, okay, yeah, that'd is, be really awesome to see that. Is that something they showed in uh, animated form? Because I know that he yes. is okay. I know that he is, uh, like he he's a high presence in those series. 
um, which if if you if those of you listening don't know this about me, I haven't uh, jumped into the series that deeply. Um, leading up to this season, I actually jumped into it a little bit more because I wanted to know more about uh, Ahsoka Tano and everything like that. So I know a little bit more about her, but still, I, I haven't done as much work as most when it comes to watching all those shows and everything like that. So I'm going to be asking Joel a lot of questions about who's this or what does this mean or what, what are the uh, implications of this? So um, yeah. that that's why all these questions are coming out, but it's not to, you know, prolong a conversation. It's because it's a real conversation. I just don't know these things. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's where I stand um, when it comes to like the animated realm of star Wars and everything like that. Uh, but yeah, so that, that was the, uh, episode leading up to this. Like we said, amazing. Oh, Oh, go ahead. No, there was an episode in between. Was there? Yeah. Because he goes to that, that, uh, planet to deliver the frog lady Mm -hmm. and talks to Bo-Katan and they fight through that ship. She tells Mando to go to the planet Corvus. Mm-hmm. And he takes off in a ship, which is all patched together with really just shitty You're uh, right. seashell stuff. And then he goes back to uh, the planet with uh, Grief and um, Cara Dune mm-hmm. to get the ship I, properly fixed. I'm not going to lie. I completely forgot that that was after that. I thought That's that was before episode it. Too. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, I mean, not, not only was it... Uh, directed by carl weathers but uh yeah it was an amazing episode and it showcased a lot of big stuff um but yeah jump into that one a little bit that's funny so, so i thought that was prior to this episode <laughs> no yeah it's, it's interesting how they kind of blend together honestly it's mm-hmm. it's maybe it's a good sign of how things are are being directed and produced with oh it. yeah but um no, with that episode, he he's basically just kind of there as a side mission to take care of his ship and get it properly running because it's a hunk of junk at that point. Oh yeah, it's horrible. And, <laughs> yeah, it's I love joke. how like, it has like a bunch of netting on the inside, and yeah. uh, that little squid was in there. That then the child ate the squid. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they go back to the planet, and uh, I forgive me, but I can't remember the name of that planet. It's not Tatooine. It's um, I God, it's I, I get so mixed up with all of the uh. The planets i know the the old school ones i know tatooine i know hoth <laughs> like i know it's those a, uh, basic ones it's a tatooine lookalike how about that okay. um so they go back to that planet for repairs because he knows he's got friends and allies there of course and then they send him on a mission because uh, they need his help taking over a uh the last stronghold that the empire has on the planet and uh Lo and behold, it's not as empty as they think. It's actually not a stronghold. In fact, it's a testing facility for secret, secret uh, tests they were doing for the child. Mm-hmm. And we get the reappearance of uh, not necessarily one of the big bads from uh, season one, but definitely one of the reoccurring villains, if you will, of season one. We didn't really get to see him too, do too much shady stuff, but... Uh, Based on his communications that he left, he was doing some fucked up stuff. Like, he even said that he was bleeding that thing kind of dry, which uh, a lot of fans of the child might have been disappointed. I mean, they got pissed off at Jason Sudeikis for punching him in a bag, so. Dude. <laughs> I'm sure they were you mad that he was getting bled out. The baby, but you, just, you know that he is, and that's just the worst. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, no, we get that, the reappearance episode, of him as well. 
that episode really kind of opened up the door a little bit as far as showing what the future of the series is going to be about. Mm-hmm. And uh, in knowing that they're testing the child's blood to infuse it into other people, uh, these weird monstrosities that my, my theory is there's is some kind of um, super soldier that, that Moff Gideon's trying to make that might be able to use the force or, or wield it in some capacity. Oh, okay. I know there's a lot of thoughts out there that it could be, you know, uh, indications of, of Darth Sidious or, mm-hmm. or, um, I, I, I was seeing a lot of people name? saying Snoke, Snoke. Yeah. And, and I think Which that was I mean, just, I think that was due to how ugly those things looked. They were just yeah. assuming. <laughs> but I think at the end of the episode where you see Gideon with all, all those super soldier armor pieces mm-hmm. in the, behind him, you kind of get the idea of what he was going after with those clones that were being tested out. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I, wow. Yeah. That's funny as hell that you brought that up. Cause I, I legit thought this was straight from the, um, Bo-Katan episode to this one, but yeah, I forgot that that one was even in between it. Not saying that it, it was lacking or anything like that. Cause it was still a lot of fun. Um, we get the reappearance of, uh, the carbonite guy, from uh, season yeah. one, <laughs> he uh, I I don't know I I really enjoyed him in season one. Uh, to me, he he's been the only thing that has felt sequel. Uh, if anything, his reappearance just felt a little more over the top, and um, his interactions with uh, um, I just want to call him Apollo. <laughs> What's his name? Grief Karga. Yeah. Um his interactions with him just I don't know. They they were just a little over the top for me and um but I mean it it was it was fun to see a another face that especially one that you didn't think you would see again. Um and I mean some of the little banter back and forth uh I mean some of it I enjoyed. But yeah, I don't know. His his just reappearance just seemed very sequel to me like the way he was acting and it was almost like episode one season one we got just enough of him because it fits so well within that uh portrayal of um uh the mandalorian and how he i mean he made it creepy because it was this guy you know trying to uh break the ice with this bounty hunter and stuff and then you when he's going to the bathroom he's trying to have that conversation and then he sees all the carbonite and then you get that one last little i can't even remember what he says to him but he hits him with it like i don't know he fits so well into that because the settings around him were such the opposite and then this one it was more of a action adventure uh mission type thing to where he was like the uh sidekick tag along that's like almost the humor and i was just i picked up on it i was like i don't know (laughs) yeah he was he was a driver man he Mm -hmm. was that kind of classic driver humor uh lightheartedness yeah Um, the interesting thing that out of that character being back into it he makes mention really just quickly about how the weather is drying out his suit like how his suit kind of holds oh, him yeah. and mm-hmm. keeps him wet, basically, because he's an like, uh, aquatic-type creature, basically. He's a water-type Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> and for me, that was one of the most interesting parts of that entire episode, apart from the, you know, the, the child discussion stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Because Joel's like, I want to see that suit. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is there's been a lot of questions about like, you know, how does how does Mandalorian survive mm-hmm. in such extreme weather climates? He's been in in you know Tatooine, which is two suns, uh, and then he's been in the exact opposite on the uh, the, the snow planet, mm-hmm. and he doesn't seem too hot or too cold at any point. And uh, by that one character mentioning his suit uh, holding moisture, it kind of just subtly proves that people can have suits that can regulate their their body temperatures and, and their lifestyle choices. Yeah, yeah. It's no, cool. I mean I agree. It, it's something that that I overlooked for sure. But I mean, yeah. Now that you mention it, it is it is really cool, and it is to or it is really awesome to deep dive into that train of thought, like. How, how does old boy stay warm <laughs> but then again i mean this his as much as he's just wearing armor and everything this is this is star wars this is sci-fi <laughs> exactly but um yeah so i mean two I, w- I would even say two back-to-back just uh great episodes with a lot of uh plot progression in both of them not only for the story at hand but future storylines and spinoff storylines and everything like that. And this week's episode was no different. So, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I, I forgot that like the order that they came in and everything like that, but I'm not taking from any other one, but you know, with leading off with two big, uh, story, uh, driven episodes like that, you would, you would think this would be a, uh, you know, like a filler episode, you know, just like, right. okay, we, we got a lot of heavy stuff. The last two episodes, maybe you, you land on a random planet. Maybe you just do something, but I don't know. I would have put money on that, especially with the formula of, uh, um, last season, season number one, they kind of, they had that same formula going. It was just like, you get something good. You kind of had to sit back a little bit. You get something good. You sit back. So I, I would have put money on it, betting that, we were going to see some type of a filler and then it ended up being perhaps the most crucial episode since the premiere of the show. Like, absolutely like straight up. And and that's, I mean, as much as we've already talked about all this stuff that was happening and all these possibilities that these creatures are going to be, or planning on being for uh Gideon and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just to say that is a really, really big thing um, leading off those last two episodes. Uh, and before we get into that discussion, um, which is going to be a, a big one, uh, I just want to know, Joel, so far with season two, where are you? Like on, on a say like a one to ten scale, like where where are you dropping this so far? As far as quality or how just well over like yeah just overall like if you oh. had if, you, if somebody was like so what's your what's your rating on season two so far like what what is your number? So you know it's funny uh, last season with the first one uh, I was talking about how this was basically bringing Star Wars back to its glory mm-hmm. you know it, it it really it had nothing to do necessarily with Jedi and Luke Skywalker in the force necessarily and it basically without any of those major staples in star wars still felt like star wars and it was not only that but just quality across the board mm-hmm. and for me watching that that first season and that, that last episode 
I was like, I can't get any better than this. This is the best. <laughs> this is the best thing in the world. And and uh, and then season two happened. And thinking back on season one, just to kind of give you a perspective, the one thing about season one that I I I liked how it it made sense afterwards, but I didn't like it when it was happening, was that the episodes seemed very just kind of singular and disconjointed, like they were just their own thing and uh there were there was a lot of side mission stuff i'd agree a lot of characters that you just didn't really care about you wanted to see what happened with baby yoda basically you know (laughs) um and then at the very end though the last two episodes or so they really tie it all together um and prove to you why they had to do everything so disconjointed with this season though they really um have gone all out and had a really strong start with the flow of of the narrative and um the action the story everything it's just been fantastic so i would give last season probably an 8 8.5 this for me is a full 10 ooh nice are you do you do you suspect that it'll you know it's going to keep your um uh i guess your number there do you, do you see this having any drop point? Do you think that there will be any um, drop balls in this I season? I think after this week's episode, you're going to probably have an episode. That the next one will be probably a little bit less as far as just content. Mm-hmm. And it won't be quite the smorgasbord of Star Wars nerdiness that this one was. But um, I don't think the quality or the storytelling will drop at all. I think even even the 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 backdrops and the the CG and the puppeteering everything has just been amped up to a whole other level uh in this season. Mm-hmm. So uh no I just I can't see it dropping off. All right. No, and I I like that too because especially that you mentioned um you're looking out for the fall or the next episode to be uh lighter uh, as far as a uh, story and everything like that it's just going to be uh, a little bit more go with the flow which i i agree um but then again i would have bet money on this one being that uh so who who knows they might just pistol with us with a lot more uh coming in but um no i i think that's cool though that you're expecting um a lesser episode when it comes to so much um story driven uh with the overall and everything and you're still planning on it to stay at a 10 which is nice because a lot of people they are at that high point right now because we've gotten the last three episodes that have just been go 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 um story-wise action-wise like just everything overall has just been top tier and as as a fan knowing how especially star wars fandoms work um and things like uh like marvel fanboys I, I I just worry that if it's going to be a little slower, people are going to be upset. Um, but then again, I, I like that this isn't like most um, cable network TV shows where they're still working on the second half of the season and ratings from one episode will plan out the, the following uh, episodes that they shoot. So it's kind of nice that they're like, no, fuck you. We already got it done. You're getting what you're getting. <laughs> because... Oh yeah, no, they can take their time and do whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to have a show where every episode is nonstop all the time. It's exhausting. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I think that it just they need to have episodes where they they slow things down and kind of change up the pace to to make you still interested. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that you're going to see some important things still happen in the next episode, uh, particularly. And we'll we'll discuss later. I'm sure after we kind of wrap up our discussion on this current one, but um, yeah, I don't I don't need another high action balls to the walls episode like this last one. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm going to be happy with whatever we get. (laughs) That's, that's where I sit. So yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. Uh, so this past episode, uh, you know, the, the one that we're here to actually discuss, um, this was, and I honestly didn't go back and look into it, but I'm sure that he has directed stuff in season one. But I want to say this is the uh, debut episode for season two of Dave Filoni. And oh, my God, did that show <laughs> like in the oh, best yeah. in the best way possible. They were just like, hey, Dave, here's your episode. Drop everything. in." <laughs> well, it's so it's so fitting that he's the one that gets to direct this episode. Oh, yeah. The, the character that he shows in this episode is is literally like his his baby mm-hmm. you know he, he created this character for the most part so um it, it just i was very happy to see that he got his chance to do this episode and it, it turned out just so good oh across perfect the board. and then on top of that all those little red strings of yarn just tying every other little piece going on in this episode that he got to tie together it was it was perfect that he got to do that because it was like watching a visible uh, visible representation of that dude's mind like oh, everything that was dropped in this episode, I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like, so this is what Dave Filoni's head looks like. <laughs> and you, you can really tell that. I, if you really watch the Clone Wars shows in particular, and even Rebels, because he did Rebels as well, um, Filoni is is very much in the vein of, of of George Lucas as far as he he crafts a story in a universe that is meant to, of course, first and fo- first and foremost, you know satiate the present and mm-hmm. make you happy that you you watch the story unfold in front of you but both lucas and filoni are, are just geniuses at planting so many different little story arcs within their story that you're watching and then taking those tiny little tidbits and lengthening them out uh later on like calling back to them and bringing them back into the fold 10 20 episodes later and you're like holy shit this is all wide encompassing and just it makes you feel it makes it the whole thing feel so much bigger and well thought out and planned Mm -hmm. yeah i remember one of my uh first i guess experiences with dave filoni was that podcast that uh was cycling through with um freddie prince jr discussing star wars and um his voiceover career with star wars and how he was like yeah i I was trained by dave filoni i know like this this and and he was just dropping all this stuff and i was like who the hell is this dave filoni guy (laughs) and i mean it even even that even that one little um segment where he's praising this dude and his mentor his teacher um in like the best way possible this this episode uh, to that too was like a representation of that discussion and i i would i would pay to see 
what this episode meant to Freddie, like how he took this episode. Cause I, I bet it was awesome for him to sit back and watch this and like, see his friend, like how me and you were saying how, how you said it was awesome that he got to direct this. It was so fitting that he brought this character to live action. So I would love to see his perspective, like uh, Freddie Prince juniors to see how he took all this in. Cause I, I just have a feeling that would have been awesome. Oh, I agree. Um, you know what F- Filoni worked on before Star Wars, right? Uh, he just talked about it in that roundtable discussion that uh, that they did for season one. Yeah, I that's can't... a funny discussion, by the way. I was going to call back to that a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, that's what he worked on. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's very well known in, in high quality animation to begin with. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I, that, that roundtable that you were bringing, that you just brought up. Uh, where he discusses how, like, he got the call from, uh, from Cartoon Network. Yeah, and and they they wanted him to make the Clone Wars show, and he's like, <laughs> okay, the SpongeBob yeah. group is making fun of me now. That, yeah, oh my god, yeah, that was hilarious. If if you haven't watched it, there's a companion show. And it's it's I mean, if you're a fan of podcasts, which I mean, if you're listening to this, you're clearly a, a fan of something that resembles a podcast um but they do a really really good companion show with the mandalorian and it sits down with all the directors um essentially john favreau's golden team that brings this show to life and dave filoni uh is the director of this past episode but he is the overall mastermind of what we're seeing happen in the star wars universe when it comes to these set of characters um and and more as joel already mentioned uh with his animated career and everything like that but yeah really really good show that joel's talking about right now and if you enjoy uh listening to like just you know podcast discussions this essentially is just a roundtable discussion and yeah that story is hilarious i mean he almost lost the job because he was taking it as a joke No, you should uh, you should have been there last year when we went to Star Wars Celebration, Mary Rose and I, oh, because man. we went to the Clone Wars um, panel mm-hmm. where they were re- revealing stuff for the final season for the first time ever, and you should have heard the crowd when they when Filoni comes out on stage, like just the amount of love that this guy gets from the Star Wars fans. Like he has done more for Star Wars than really anybody besides Lucas and. Uh, yeah, he he deserves his his time in the limelight, and th- this episode that he directed was just fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I I love I love hearing, uh, especially because like I I don't know that much into like the, uh, like the deep lore and everything of Star Wars and. Um, I've never been to one of those, uh, celebrations or anything like that, but yeah, to know that this dude's getting all the love that he deserves is super, super cool. Um, I can't remember where we were at because we, we went to that, uh, that we have table discussion. discussion yet. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like I was saying, this episode was directed by Dave Filoni. I'm not sure which ones in the past he has worked on prior to, uh, but considering he's on that show and he is discussing everything with the directors i want to say he probably had an episode on there or he's probably had an episode in season one it was the first episode oh no way yeah oh wow okay then i can see that i can see that because this one definitely i mean episode one definitely did have that uh, huge western feel and this one i i felt kind of had uh 
a lot of the same not not the same but it, it was in that realm as well to me this came off as like a, a japanese spaghetti western yep, and which was perfect but uh before i i butcher these characters because i'm not going to remember a lot of their names and stuff uh do you want to give a, a rundown of what this episode was Oh man! Without spoiling things ahead of time, <laughs> I mean, you, uh, can, you know, give give the 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 beginning. What what did we walk into? Oh, geez, paint the picture, Joel. The most amazing thing ever. <laughs> uh, so I'll I'll tell you, I did not think I would get the privilege of seeing uh, a live action iteration of this until the very end of an episode, as like a teaser for the following episode, right? Oh yeah. So so with, within the first thirty seconds, when uh, when Ahsoka Tano was revealed. And in just the coolest possible way ever, mm-hmm. um, I, I was on the edge of my seat. Literally, when her white lightsaber showed, I leaned forward and just went, oh, and then just <laughs> stared at the screen. Oh, I, I was entranced. But uh, essentially, what we're, we're seeing in this episode is uh, we're on the planet Corvus, which has never been shown or discussed before. It's a new planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Ahsoka Tano is on the planet uh, fighting this uh militia basically trying to get through this town to save uh some villagers we find out more about those villagers in in the overall mission later on but uh she gives the the leaders of the town one day to think about uh what they want to do as far as giving uh her what she wants or fighting till the end and then we cut to the mandalorian landing on that same planet and uh walking into the town and we go from there yeah and which we we also get a a really nice uh interaction between him and uh the child uh flying in and everything and it's a call oh, yeah. it's a call back to season one and just a, a lot of fun but it also does a really good job at setting up what is to come in this episode um and for those of you uh that I, I had so many people who were like so confused because they were like, well, what about this? And uh, I think it's just people kind of like me who don't know all the lore and like the, the planet names and stuff like that. But like Joel said earlier, uh, this is the planet that Bo-Katan sent him to uh, to find Ahsoka Tano. So it yeah. Corvus was the planet name. Um, and yeah, so um, let's jump back to that. The opening scene. So yes. the first appearance of live action Ahsoka Tano and the overall visuals, the overall uh, reveal, everything about that. Like, I, I, I'm i more excited to hear what you have to say. So first appearance okay. of Ahsoka Tano. Oh, give me give me what you got. <laughs> All right. Uh, so first and foremost, white lightsabers. We've never seen them in live action before. So and- good. Uh, it was oh, it was so oh, so good. Just hearing those sounds and seeing that saber light up was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and the thing that I like about uh, Ahsoka Tano is uh, she's not only a skilled combatant; she was trained by by Anakin, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, she's very creative and crafty in just how she uh, traverses a battlefield and how she takes down her opponents. And you see, almost like she uses almost like a. a a scare tactic with them like she's like a ghost basically oh yeah she kind of fades in and out of the fog and she kind of appears from nowhere and takes them down from above and 
it was really cool seeing her her fight and take down people one by one. She wasn't even touched ever, basically, in that fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just the attention to detail that they put into uh, Rosario Dawson's character for Soka was it, it was perfection. There the, there was only one minor little thing that I noticed that I was like, that's weird. Um, and that was her head tails mm-hmm. were a little too short, in my opinion. Oh, my God. Thank you for mentioning that. That was the one thing. Like I said, I don't know a lot about this character, but that was one thing that I knew about their race was as they age, their head tails grow. And right. to me, jumping into Clone Wars, when I first saw her, I was like, "That that's about first appearance, Ahsoka. Like, that's that's super young (laughs) like to me it felt like even they cut off from where they last showed her animated wise yeah uh her species uh is very similar to the twilight species where they have those long head tails Mm -hmm. um but yeah in in rebels you see ahsoka kind of at the same age she is now in the show in, in mandalorian and um she's probably if i had to gauge age at that point late 30s okay. maybe early early 40s maybe by the time we're seeing the mandalorian but in rebels she had very long head tails they were down to basically her waist almost and um it obviously is a thing with age like you mentioned mm-hmm. so seeing them a little bit shorter kind of more at her shoulder length that was definitely more of her her clone wars length so like 19 and yeah uh, it wasn't it didn't like turn me off from the from the character reveal but this was something I just noticed, um, <laughs> and I I assume it had to have been because of just issues with filming, uh, something like that, and just the stunts that they had to do, and yeah. just how heavy that may have been. Mm. But um, no, everything else was just top to bottom flawless. Her costume was very just Ahsoka looking. The lightsabers, as far as the hilts, were were perfect. Um, Make a, a decision like that. I bet it has something to do with where she's been. I don't know if you can hear me, Mary Rose. Yeah, no, I heard her. Uh, she said that. Oh, go ahead. Like, they wouldn't make a cosmetic mistake like that. Not with the money that they have behind. No, I'm just, I was saying because of this, how, how stunt heavy that show is and how heavy that would be. It doesn't, they don't grow shorter though. Can can they be chopped? You can't cut off somebody. It's not like a lizard. It doesn't cut off and grow back. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't grow back. Maybe it gets cut off because she got dishonored. You would have seen the cuts then. That's true. No, I don't think Star Wars would make a mistake like that. I bet there's a story behind it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I disagree. Yeah. No, I, I know that there were a lot of people who were upset about that because that was the first thing that I noticed. And I was curious if I had it wrong if I was like maybe misheard something about her character, her species, something like that. So I, I wanted to see what other people, and I was, I was mostly excited to hear what you thought, because I was like, if, if I picked up on that right away, like I was like, I know that it had to have been something that Joel was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. It was weird to see. I I didn't like dislike it, but yeah. it was kind of bizarre to see them a little bit shorter than I'm, than I'm used to. Um, but yeah, I yeah, no, I still thought it was it was perfect. Besides that, oh, okay, I would agree though. I I think that especially her movement and uh, the way they wanted to portray her fighting style, I I think you have to compromise with some of that stuff. Um, 
but yeah, uh, same same as you. I I, I think it would have been a, more of a treat visually to have them longer, just because I like interactions of characters like uh, features. So to see her, you know, moving around the way she was, to have them actually move with her and stuff, like almost like how her um uh her cloak was just moving in the yeah. shadows and stuff. I think that would have been super cool, but I, I do understand like the overall, like, yo, this, this shit's hard to move. In. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, her, her fighting style to me was amazing. I mean, like how you said, she's very, uh, well, the way I took it, it was like theatrical. Like she knew oh, how yeah. to play a mental game with the people watching because she knows that she's not, fighting everybody that's present there are some people who are just partaking in a in a watch of it and so she has to you know inflict more more damage to them uh mentally by scaring them and it was scary i mean and to me the the way i took it was uh way back when we were discussing uh robert pattinson's batman and we didn't know who was going to direct it we were talking about who would be really cool and i i know all of us had this discussion about ridley scott and we would love to see a ridley scott batman movie where it's about the the villains and batman's this like alien type of creature who comes out and you know you see him for how they see him a monster you see him hunting you see him doing things in the shadow and going back in the shadows and creepy creepy like and that's what i pulled from that which was so cool to see because to me it was like everything that I felt it would have been in the way we were throwing it out there, but in Star Wars, which was really, really cool. But no, I, I think visually she looked great. Those sabers were so yeah. awesome to see. Um, and it was so unique looking. Like I I remember watching um Mace Windu come out way back when in middle school in in the theaters and his purple saber and it was just like oh my god that's so cool and even though i knew you know hers isn't going to be the traditional green or blue and it was going to be white i i knew that but it happened so early in the episode that like you i wasn't i wasn't mentally prepared for that shit <laughs> like i was like show me the baby first and then we'll get to her later um but yeah i mean it, it opens up and you just and i was like oh my god that's awesome and uh, she goes she goes through a lot of sabers in her lifetime too um, okay she always kind of dual wields uh she can do a single saber but you can kind of tell even during this episode when she goes down to one saber, she's not quite as skilled. Mm -hmm. uh, and she has her she, she has her classic um, uh, unorthodox stance. Yep. Oh, that was so good. Yep. Uh, that's very Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. Very, very Ahsoka. And uh, yeah, she she goes through uh, multiple different sabers. So uh, her first kind of set of sabers were uh, green and kind of an off green, like a yellow almost. Okay. And the interesting thing is, is um, she's always dual weld, but the, her um, off green yellow saber was shorter, almost like I think like a, a long knife compared to a sword. Okay, so like um, a, a dagger, almost like how people will, will run a, a broadsword and a dagger. Yep. Okay. And then uh, she ends up basically uh, getting rid of those sabers when she leaves the Jedi Order. She just gives them up. Uh, as like a sign of, of how she's given up on the Jedi. 
And uh, when she comes back in Clone Wars uh, with the last season, uh, Anakin has redone them, and uh, they're blue sabers. And then at the end of that season, she discards them again. Uh, and uh, during her time in between uh, the end of Clone Wars and uh, uh, we see her in Rebels, she comes across uh, these new kyber crystals uh, for, for lightsaber purposes. There's a book that I have not read yet. I need to because <laughs> it, it bridges the gap between Ahsoka leaving in Clone Wars and uh, her time in Rebels, and I need to know what happens. But she gets those kyber crystals at that point, and that's where she gets the white lightsabers. So kind of more in her adulthood, this is when she has those sabers. Okay, and now that you mention that, that's actually really cool. I don't see, and this is where my um, ignorance of like the lore and the knowledge of the overall story kind of gets me. But the fact that she opens up on a the way we described it, like a uh, Japanese spaghetti western type of feel to an episode, at least how we took it, um, I think that's really cool that she has a short sword and a, a long sword and like in the past, like that's what she opens up with because it's like, those are two very um, like Japanese distinctions. And I, I wonder if like that's, if she got some of her writing inspiration from that, because way back when like uh, Japanese swords would be paired with a smaller sword. And yep. so that that's also another thing that kind of mirrors her first appearance coming in this episode that has that very uh, Japanese small town t uh, type of feel. And then how you explained her running around with two swords. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just coincidence, but I, I think that's really cool. And then the way her unorthodox handling with one saber, that's actually another form uh, that yep. that people would use back then. So I don't know. It, it's just really cool to think about that stuff. And I, I, maybe it's it's knowledge and thought process that's been thrown around there a lot in the past or something. But I don't know. It was just something that I picked up on uh, while you were discussing it. So I, I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, so we we get the first appearance of Ahsoka, and then we get. Um, uh, the Mandalorian and the child coming in. And like you said, they, they um, meet up in this town. Uh, they're let in after they're questioning what they're doing there. And um, he's asking if he works for the guild. And he's like, last time I checked and, you know, kind of, kind of being a dick about it. And I love that scene where he walks past uh, that guy, which I was super happy to see Kyle Reese join the star wars universe so i don't know if are you familiar with the uh, terminator yeah i did who is he in that uh in that episode so in this episode the uh i don't know his name but the mandalorian said that he reads ex-military when he he was like the right hand man he's the muscle oh he he was with that that woman that was him yeah that was kyle reese just pretty old he was aged interesting <laughs> i had no idea but yeah and it, another cool thing about this is i mean whenever we talk mandalorian we always jump back to the thematic of a western and he was in the movie tombstone that we just mentioned when we talked about episode one of season two where uh timothy oliphant plays yep. that guy who i said reminded me of a, a young um sam elliott 
And it, it just, it, it's constantly, we go back to the movie Tombstone, which he's in the movie Tombstone. So it, I don't know. It's just a lot of stuff comes That's back cool. in full circle, which I think is, yeah, like you said, I think it's really, really cool. But so I was super excited when I saw him. It was funny. This episode, um, this is the first time bef- since uh, season one that Marcy has been there while I will watch one of these uh, episodes. And for me and Scarlet, it's a it's become like a tradition. Like it's our Friday thing where um where I'm watching her in the morning and we'll sit down, she'll have a little snack and we'll watch that. And Marcy's always like, she doesn't know. She doesn't like it, blah, 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 this and that. And so I, I put on the loading screen. I'm like, come here, baby. And she walks up and I you know, get her in her spot. And, uh, she, 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 she wanted to hold her. And I was like, no, this is our thing. Like, you're not going to ruin our thing. <laughs> I was like, I'm holding my, my child while we watch the child. It's my thing. <laughs> and she was like, fine, whatever. And so I press play, they do the recap, and then the intro comes on, and the Mandalorian music comes on, and Scarlett does this little dance when she's sitting down. If she's, like, happy, she, like, moves her shoulders. She'll, like, shimmy her shoulders from side to side. And she looks over, and we're both doing that, and she was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, like, her first time experiencing that, like, seeing that this, it's, like, legit something that me and her do and i know i was telling like you and uh old man devries about it and stuff like that that's just like what we do but it was funny for marcy to finally sit there and see that it's not just me saying oh yeah no she likes watching it like she legit will sit there and watch it with me and hang out <laughs> um but yeah so it's, it's just something fun that we always uh do together so i thought it was fun that we all got to do it as a family because you know thanksgiving just happened and uh, she wasn't working on Friday and stuff like that. So we're I, mean, all I, don't, there. I don't fault her for loving that theme song because that theme song <laughs> is a banger. Dude, that it is. It is the best. So good. Whenever it's like skip intro, I'm like, first off, it's like 10 nope. seconds long. Second off, fire. Like, no. I need it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're we're introduced to uh this team, or not this team, but this militia overall and um uh, you get the scene where the guy's like what the hell is that thing and he oh, yeah. he says i carry it for good luck which again another very like japanese culture type thing like people will uh you know trinkets and stuff um i i can't even i oh my god i was just explaining marcy what it is but now i'm drawing a blank on the name but i have uh one of the cats um holding the totem with the the hand that moves and it's uh resembles good luck for business and everything like that um but yeah like another uh very heavy um culture driven thing that they added to the well in in my thought process i feel like it's uh something they threw in there for that um where he's like yeah it's it, it's for good luck i keep it around for good luck but again yeah. it was just something funny that he throws out pass. there yeah and it shows his progression as an as a character like he's he's has that humor now he um does carry the thing around not for good luck but because he's more of a, a father figure um but you know we're, we're introduced to these townspeople who they're asking him, don't talk to us for our safety, not yours. And uh, then he gets put on this mission to hunt down Ahsoka Tano, who he's there to find. And uh, what what was the woman's name? You know, I, it, it slips my mind. And when, when Ahsoka told uh, Mando her name, mm-hmm. 
I felt like it was supposed to be important, but I'll be honest with you, I've <laughs> never heard that name before in Star Wars lore. So okay. I, I don't I don't think it's anybody important. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I mean I, I could be wrong, but I mean with uh, how vast it is, it, it could have been like a, a name drop from a novel, like somebody that was mentioned in one of the novels or something like that. I mean, it, it could have possibly been, you know, a big character, but just in one of the um mixed medias that you're not part of <laughs> or do you read the novels yeah i try to um the, this the book, man I, right I don't here get around to as much but um the comics absolutely yeah but um the books there's just so many of them and some of them are are just not as interesting to me as others mm -hmm. so i don't do the books as often okay yeah i mean that there there have been like very little um actual novels like when it comes to uh I guess larger IPs that I've di uh, like dove myself into. And one of them was uh, I think me and Juan talked about it was the resident evil novels that they put out. Um, Juan purchased the first two or three of them. And I remember reading those and it was funny. We talked about it on one of the episodes and I completely forgot one that those existed and two that I read them until Juan <laughs> mentioned it. And it was definitely one of those things where, um as as like when i say like you know sometimes i things that i don't remember reading I'll, I'll revisit and it's cool because it's like i get to reread it for the first time uh but it was one of those things where it was just like all the puzzle pieces fell into place all at once in, before my eyes when juan was talking about it and i was like holy crap i remember that <laughs> but so uh that would probably be one of the few that i've actually been like oh there's a novel let me check these out and I think it was just because Juan purchased them. <laughs> I used to read all the books before Disney took over. Oh, okay. Um, like I read like all, all the, the Thrawn stuff and like the young uh, uh, solo kids stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like once once Disney took over and everything was considered legends at that point, I was like, well, what's the point? Mm -hmm. I have to start over again now for all these books. They don't matter anymore. <laughs> um, legends is when they they made things uncanon, right? Yeah, but oh, the, such the a cool dick thing move. is, part, particularly <laughs> with uh, with uh, this this show, they're taking a lot, a lot of things from quote unquote legend source material and making it canon again. That's um, cool. yeah, which is really good. In mm -hmm. particular, just to kind of go off on a random for a second, um, I brought this up to Mary Rose too when we were watching the episode, the assassin droids. Oh yeah. She, those two assassin droids in, mm -hmm. in the episode, um, they're HK-47s. And HK-47 was a droid character that was in your party for the Knights of the Old Republic games. For real? And, uh, and he's like a crazy assassin droid in that one too. <laughs> so um, the fact that they brought in that droid specifically and brought it back into actual proper canon was really cool. Yeah, and I mean that's one that that's that was a huge dick move from Disney, and two that's super cool for them to you know it's it's little things like that that fans really appreciate. Like as much as you said you you didn't recognize that girl's name, there might be somebody out there that does and had that geek out moment where they were like, "Holy crap!" Because I mean I had that multiple times on this episode, and I. I am not versed well at all when it comes to this stuff. So for me to have those moments and be like, whoa, that's crazy. Or, oh my God, I can't believe they just dropped that. Um, 
yeah, I mean, like how you said that that uh, droid. I I think that's cool that they do stuff like that, even pulling it from legend and um, uncanon sources, because it's like people invested their time and efforts into reading or watching or playing those um, stories that are uncanon now. So why not give them that little fanfare? Why not give them that aha moment? Because everybody deserves it, especially if you put the time and effort in, you should, you should get that payback. So I think, I think that's worth it. I think that's cool. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's jump forward to, of course, uh, that woman sends him to do her bidding, uh, fight her fight. And she promises him a spear of solid Beskar. And for those of you that don't follow Beskar is what, uh, Mandalorian's armor is made of. It's Beskar metal. Um, or is it metal or is it a different type of, it's, it's basically a metal. It's, it's extremely rare though. Okay. Like, like think the rarest of metals in the universe that that's Beskar. That's why it's so expensive mm-hmm. and why like he would risk his life basically for something like that, because it's, you don't come across Beskar very, very commonly. And, uh, that's why old boy will go into a worm. <laughs> exactly. And, um, that's what the old Mandalorians, uh, when, the Mandalorians were fighting the Jedi because that was a big, big war. The Jedi were trying to basically stop the Mandalorians from taking over the universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Mandalorians all wore Beskar armor because it could deflect lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's so important to Mando because it's part of his heritage and it's also very rare. Yeah. And speaking of uh, what their armor is capable of. So, yeah, she promises him uh the prize of this beskar spear and she even smacks it on the ground to show him you know she did the equivalency of biting (laughs) biting the uh the gold and everything she was like look how good this good quality this is um and then she sends him on his way and then we see his armor in full glory showing stuff that i don't think i've ever seen anything really do that besides the traitor guy from the last trilogy. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yep. other than that, I have yet to see many people deflect a saber and we see for the first time since since Luke, right? Fight a uh well no, Luke didn't really even do much against <laughs> He didn't really have to do much against No, this uh, is the first Boba. real full on like I mean apart from animated stuff. Yeah. Uh this is the fir- first time we've seen a live action Jedi versus Mandalorian. Oh man, that's awesome! Yeah, because I was just thinking about that. I was like, "Wait, no, he gets shot in the in the rocket pack, well, and he gets." Uh... <laughs> I mean, technically, Obi Wan fights Jango Fett, but Jango's not really even a real yeah, Mandalorian, nah, so he, I don't know. Jango's a punk bitch. All right, let's just yeah. move past that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so yeah, I mean, this is this is the first true uh, fight, like you said. In that, oh my god, it was awesome! Like when. It, it was that for me was one of the aha moments where I was like, wait, 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 we haven't seen this. And especially, I mean, this is in the recap. I want to say this, this season, they, they talk about it like four times in, in the recaps so far, maybe three, um, where, you know, it goes back to season one where, um, that the blacksmith is telling him, oh, well there, there are tales from Mandalore where Mandalorians fought off this, um, 
race of wizards Wizards. or whatever and she's talking about the jedi and so i mean these tales are spoken of over and over i mean not only in lore but in this season or in the series so it was so cool to see you know i mean she she jumped at him quick and it was i mean it was a mandalorian fighting a jedi and it was so badass i mean I I had pure joy from it. So where were you at? Like, what oh, was yeah. what was oh, going on in your he, mind? The moment where he blocks her sabers with his uh, gauntlets. Mm-hmm. Oh, such <laughs> a cool scene. Um, and they're they're both very skilled fighters, of course. But uh, you could tell that like he was on his ropes a little bit because he had to to call out Bo-Katan to stop her. From oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Because he needed that card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean it, it's it's also really cool because we've seen this dude do some some amazing stuff. We've seen him take on some fights and you know just show out to to points to where like nobody else could. And then he's thrown up against a, a legit Jedi. And yeah, his people may have taken on these these beings way back when, but it was so cool to see like this was a a fight and a enemy that he hasn't had to battle yet so he wasn't prepared for it like he he like you said he was on the ropes he had to legit drop a name <laughs> he was like i know the owner let me in he had to <laughs> he had to get her off of him um by dropping that name just to save himself so i i thought that was really cool as much as he 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 did his thing for a little bit. He he proved himself somewhat, and then he realized, all right, I'm not a match right now. <laughs> no, I loved it too when uh, he uses the the rope to uh, tie her all up. Oh yeah, and then she leaps over and like puts him over the tree <laughs> the tree branch. Yep. It's kind of funny because um, Luke did the same, or Boba Fett did the same thing to Luke in Return of the Jedi. You're right. Um, and then Luke basically uh, cuts it off and sends him flying afterwards. So. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a funny then, callback. Then we know the but, we know the history after that. <laughs> before we get into that, though, as far as them meeting for the first time, there was actually um, something that I missed. Okay, that I I caught afterwards from reading an article, and uh, I need to go back and watch it now because I I need to see it in my with my own two eyes. What was in that? All its glory. But uh, when he's walking through the woods, uh, looking for Ahsoka. There is one quick scene, uh, top left of the screen, where you see an owl perched what? on a tree branch. What is this thing? I've been seeing pictures of yes. it on Instagram, and I'm so, so lost. I didn't. I didn't read into is, it. The owl's name is Morai. M O R A I. Oh, so it's not like a race of owls. It's a legit character. Mm, it's a character. Ooh. Yes. And it it has in. It's always tied to Ahsoka Tano. Uh, it actually kind of follows her around mm-hmm. throughout her life. And it originates from when uh, in the Clone Wars, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka travel to this planet called Mortis. And they basically come across the physical embodiments of the light side and dark side of the Force. Like they're, they're real beings, basically, that kind of showcase the balance. Mm-hmm. And uh, during a fight, Ahsoka's actually killed. Oh, and wow. And the, uh, the light side embodiment of the Force transfers her, her life force into Ahsoka to bring her back. 
And after that, you see this owl kind of appear and just basically be Ahsoka's kind of protector. Uh, after that, uh, light side being kind of passes away. So um, some people think it, it is kind of that light side being following her around. Some people think it's just more of like, a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, it's a spirit animal. Um, but oh, uh, okay. yeah, the the owl is is basically kind of the symbol for Ahsoka. When you see the owl, you know Ahsoka's nearby somewhere. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been seeing it's it's like that blue thing, right? Um, that's not really blue. No, I I could have swore I saw like a a image of like something that was like baby blue with like orange on it. No, it's it's more kind of just whites and grays okay. as far as color schemes. But I mean, regardless, though, that's awesome. That's 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 such a cool little nod. Again, like I said, to fans who know this. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I heard like a uh, it sounded like a background talk, so I thought maybe it was your audio like going from you know uh there to zero decibels. Oh, so no. <laughs> I was like no, no, this dumb thing. Here. No, no, you're good, you're good. Um, but yeah, so I mean, again, we get an amazing fight, and then from there, we, you know, we proceed with the storyline. We we get more information. Uh, uh, two really big drops of information for some of those of you that didn't know already. I can't remember if Joel mentioned this or not. I know that he's mentioned that she ran with Obi Wan and Anakin in uh the clone wars and everything like that but i'm not sure if you mentioned that anakin is her master um yeah yeah I, I can't remember if that was mentioned already in the episode or not or if we uh kind of blew over that information but so for those of you that aren't super in depth with the character that is why this character was so um anticipated like there was so much anticipation around her arrival and everything like that because this is the padawan of darth vader and there, there's even mentioning of him. Uh, a lot of people are like speculating that, oh, maybe she's talking about somebody else. And I think that's just like wishful thinking that they're trying to get more storyline out of something where it's like clearly her master that she's talking about. But on top of that, we also get the true name of the child, Baby yes. Yoda. And uh, I'll, I'll give you the honors of that. So uh, Ahsoka could communicate to people via the Force. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that type of communication is not like someone necessarily talking word for word to the other person. It's more think like in like if you were to think of like a montage video or just quick snippets of, of like a dream, that's how you'd communicate via Force and how she kind of can see and interpret mm -hmm. uh, Force discussions. And uh, during a discussion with the child, as far as trying to figure out who he is and what, what's going on, uh, she finds out that he has a name, and his name is Grogu. What do you um, think about that? Is, is that I don't a, like is that... it. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, I, not because I, I like calling him Baby Yoda or the child. I, uh -huh. I mean, that is actually kind of habit at this point. Um, I think the name is kind of weird. It is. Uh, I, I will agree. I like, especially I, I for think such it's a the you part of it. Like it's it's 
it, it reminds me of like a baby sound, like that you you would a baby would make. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm not crazy about the name. Maybe it'll grow on me. I don't know. To to uh, me, the whole thing it just it doesn't it doesn't have the respect that it deserves. <laughs> like for the for this character who is really driving star wars to new new heights with people um i just felt like he would have a name that was more like on the nose you know like like it it made sense not not really like yoda and yaddle and yugle i I didn't need that but like something better like there's there's not really many names in star wars where i'm like eh like of main characters at least like kylo ren it sounds good obi-wan sounds good luke skywalker it sounds good this one was like it just it didn't hit when it first was dropped on there he's like oh my name is grogu and like really his name could be something else. oh mary Rose is suggesting that maybe his name is something else and he kind of just chose that name yeah and and that i mean that's a possibility too because during her discussion with uh grogu <laughs> um she even says there's a time in his life where he kind of has it blocked out uh it's dark energy and that all comes from like 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 joel said we get the um discussion there's this cute little visual where like a parent waiting outside of a a, a doctor's <laughs> office or a principal's yeah. office he's pacing back and forth um that's uh uh din uh right that's his name din jaren din jaren yeah din jaren yeah he he's pacing back and forth and like he keeps looking over and looking over and it's it's super adorable to see this because like that's how i would be <laughs> like i feel like that's how i would be if if scarlet was in like the principal's office and i i'm like waiting you know to go in and then um she comes in and she gives him this information like hey this kid is a force user and he's been trained in the ways of a Jedi by several masters. And like, that was huge. That was a bomb right there. Like when, yeah, when I heard that, cause I mean, we already knew everybody knew that he was, um, a force user and all this and that. And he was older. I mean, what he's, he was like 50, 50, 50. Oh, boys up there over the edge. He's born, born the same year as Anakin Skywalker. No shit. I remember, yeah, so, yeah, now that you mentioned yeah. that, I remember you telling this, us that, and I want to say I had the same exact reaction, because that is crazy. Um, There's a, I was telling Mary Rose about this theory that uh, I've heard out there, that, that um, you know, in uh, Empire, when uh, Luke's leaving Dagobah, and uh, Obi-Wan is ta- telling Yoda that he's the last hope, mm-hmm. and Yoda's like, no, there's another Oh my and God! Yeah, obviously, obviously, because of Return of the Jedi, we assume that could be Leia because Leia is, is Force sensitive and mm-hmm. Luke's twin. Um, but what if it's this baby? Yeah, I mean, because you know? he would have been like established in in, in the of- timeline. He would have been uh the like the the masters would have known of him. They would have known that they assigned master other masters to train him. And here's the interesting thing about that is, well, two things uh, that kind of cement uh, this a little bit more in my mind, at least, is, first of all, Obi-Wan knew that they were twins. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan knew that Leia existed. And so why let him would he her. say that Luke is the last hope? And then uh, for Yoda to say, no, there is another, and to know that this baby was on Coruscant mm-hmm. in the Jedi Temple and is one of Yoda's species... 
would lead me to believe that Obi-Wan doesn't know about this baby. And Yoda does. Yeah, because, I mean, especially how rare your species is, you would... I, I feel like it would be one of those uh, shadow mentors. Like, you you would have... Um, not not like emotion towards this kid, but you would have uh, some type of a relationship to where you'd want to see where he's progressing. You would, sure. if, if, if I was the very rare species and somebody was like, Hey, we got this kid training up now to be a Jedi. Like, I'd be like, wait, what? So I feel like, yeah, like how you said, you would know of him. You would be like, all right, well, I know that he's training with us. I know this is what's going on, and I mean, yeah, because Obi-Wan would have known that that is your sister, and she is Force-capable. But so, no, that, that little that's discussion a between, a, between, <laughs> a, between Ahsoka and Mando, that discussion is, dude, there's so much we could discuss about that. Oh my god, yeah. The, the implications of, of the fact that that baby was on Coruscant, and was trained, and was hidden away. Uh, what's that? Oh, yeah, Mario thinks that he it might be Sith at the end of this. What's um, up? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just thinking. I, I was lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, no, but the implications of the baby being hidden away on that planet mm-hmm. and in that temple. And uh, I, you got you to gotta think about like who, who would know he existed. Um, and she mentions that... Uh, he was taken away from the temple after the the order 66. Yeah. And it's like, that's someone she says, Mm -hmm. but then she openly discusses Yoda because she brings up, you know, Yoda is of his species and she knows of him and that kind of stuff. So I, I think that the someone that she's talking about is someone she doesn't know because uh, she knew basically everybody in that temple. So th- she has no reason to hide away people's names or, or identities from Mando because what good would that do? Yeah. But I really think that she doesn't know who, who took the child and it's some kind of character we haven't come across yet. Or maybe the character was hooded and she couldn't see its face. Yeah. And even at that point, she would, even if it was a shadow figure, like how she says that after that, it's a lot of dark, um, uh energy and she she can't see into his his memories um even even if it was like a shadowy figure like because it's kind of blacked out she would know if it was another short person walking with him to be like oh that's yoda (laughs) so yeah i mean it very well does push to the possibility of it being somebody who is a new mystery or somebody who was you know cloaking themselves and i really want to know how that all went down like that's really important to me because uh obviously when anakin goes to the temple and massacres all those jedi and younglings like anakin's very very powerful not mm-hmm. only com- combat wise but just force wise oh yeah i feel like he would have been able to sense that child with how strong in the force the child is as well mm-hmm. he would have known that the child was there so the fact that he didn't and the fact that uh, they scoured that temple after Anakin left, as far as um, Palpatine and the clones hunting down people, the fact that the child was able to escape, I want to know how, because that's, that seems just crazy. That, that story alone would be a full episode that I would love to watch. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I mean, like you said, the implications. One impl- one huge implication is how powerful is this kid? Like the fact that he in this conversation she discusses how he possibly hid away his powers from even himself. Yep. But in times of need, mostly when he wants to protect who he sees as a father figure, he can tap into it again. And, it's almost like an instinct. Yeah. And like that is huge. Like that that means he is extremely powerful. But like how you mentioned, um the implications of Anakin going into the temple, finding these kids and, you know, tracking down anybody with a high uh metachlorian count. Yeah, yep. it's it's like he he would have sensed him unless this kid sensed him coming first and got the hell out of Dodge or he cloaked himself from Anakin. Like yeah, like yep. like how you said it it just brings up a lot of discussion, a lot of uh theories, a lot of possibilities and either way all I'm hoping for is I want to see this post order 66 scene. I want to see the 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 different angle i mean because a lot of people can say oh well order 66 those scenes are those are outdone there's always a, this is uncle ben this is martha and thomas wayne getting shot outside the uh monarch theater this is that that scene in star wars it everybody has it we don't need to see it all no we need to see it all because just like they showed on revenge of the sith every jedi has a different angle of that oh, yeah. moment and that 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 one Yoda sensing everything and seeing everything that scene was awesome. I mean, it was it was sad. It was it was it was heartbreaking to see all these Jedi just getting wasted away. But it was really cool to see everybody's different um, experience in that moment. And just like how they showcased in the new game, and they stretched that out for a big scene uh, with big. the what's his yeah. name Cam, the new Jedi, Cal uh, Kestis. Cal Cal- oh, that's his name. I thought his name was Cam. <laughs> Damn, I was all, oh Cal, Cal, Cal. That's what they call him, right? Cal. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. why I, I'm off by a letter. <laughs> but um, yeah. So even his um, uh, you know, his experience during all that, where his master senses it and saves him, that was still a really cool moment in that video game. So I, I, I want to see what happens. I want to see him regain that knowledge and showcase it and to speaking of oh go ahead speaking of order 66 and just how different perspectives can play out um the final season of clone wars showed ahsoka's perspective on that uh that moment like you you see her have to escape basically the people that she's grown up with and and are are friends with her and they're trying to murder her now and uh, that was a really powerful episode, seeing her escape that, that Order 66. Oh, wow. It took till the very end of the last season that wasn't even almost there? Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. Man, now you just crushed my dreams. It's going to be forever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back to the whole, just the baby being on Coruscant and in, in that temple, I, I not only I want do I want to see how the baby really escaped and who he escaped with, but... I want to know how he got there to begin with and who he interacted with and and just who knew about him. You want to um, see the the young days of the child? Like just because like I mean 
Yaddle is the one that I think is kind of the, 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 the wild card in all of this because you see Yaddle for literally a few moments in one movie and then you never see her or hear from her again in anything. Mm-hmm. She's just gone. Gone. And so for me, that that means a lot because the, what what if this child is the child of Yaddle? Or what if Yaddle is tasked with training this child because it's one of her species or just there's a lot of implications with with yoda and yaddle and the fact that this child was on coruscant in that temple mm-hmm. that this it raises a lot of questions that i need answered <laughs> yoda what were you up to what was he up to i don't know <laughs> dirty little puppet <laughs> maybe yeah uh, but yeah, so I mean th- that not only that was a huge bomb. I mean, the, we got the name, we got the um, idea that he is trained in the ways of the Jedi, and um, we get to see a little brief possibility of hey, will you train Grogu? I still don't like that name. Same. <laughs> But yeah, will you will you train Grogu and you know the Mandalorian? This is his, um, it's not his mission. It's his uh, what what is it, or, or is it a mission? What for? For him to take that, it to the Jedi? Yeah. What what is what does he call that? It's his. Oh, I thought there was a Mandalorian uh, term that they give him. Well, I mean, it, it would be a, a you know Earth term too, but I, yeah, I thought I she called I, it something I, I, special. I think you're right. There, there is a name for it, but it's basically just a mission. Yeah, like his quest to take yeah. this kid to find the uh, the Jedi. So he's trying to fulfill that. He thinks he he thinks that he's close to finishing that quest. He's he's like, okay, here's the Jedi. Here are your people. Will you train him? And uh, of course, we we get some ideas back and forth where she's telling him well there's some like how i've mentioned a couple times there's some stuff in his history uh post order 66 that seems dark that she doesn't know what's going on um so she was like but i'll i'll what does she say i'll test him in the morning let him sleep i'll test him in the morning and the morning comes uh which one that lady was probably feeling so good about herself because she was like oh thank god he stopped her for one day <laughs> oh right because she yeah. gave her 24 hours and then he came up and she never returned <laughs> so that lady was probably feeling great thinking that uh the mandalorian got the jedi but um yeah so the morning comes we get that little uh sequence where he's not doing anything and the mandalorian like a good parent is hyping up his abilities and oh he's gonna do great yeah he, he does this this uh these tricks and he does all this and that and he I fails to perform things. yeah <laughs> i felt so bad for him because he just felt like a like a parent on one of those um talent shows <laughs> he's gonna yeah he's gonna blow your mind he does great things and then no, he, when he when he passes that uh, little knob back and forth uh, between Mando and him, mm-hmm. and just like he, like you hear Mando just cheer out loud. He's like, "I knew you could do it." Yeah, see, I, I was like, "Man, that's a total dad moment right there." <laughs> Dude, it is. It's hilarious though. But um, yeah. So uh, as Joel said, you know, we get the scene where he um he has to step in, and she tells him, "With your feelings, like ha- have him pass that." And so this is where I started going down my own rabbit hole because I, I, I don't know if I'm just thinking into something too much or if I 
caught on to something that other people like most people would just be like oh cool like he he got him to do it but does this mean that din jaren is force sensitive because she says that she communicates with him through the force and she can communicate like with the her feelings and the the child doesn't really communicate with anybody else but they made sure to promote in the beginning of the episode and this is what i said i was going to come back to in in the beginning of the episode he tells him i said sit in your seat like get back to your seat (laughs) and he listens and he goes and sits down and then on top of that he gets him to take that knob so like does does this mean like he had he has the possibility of you know being force sensitive or he may have a high metachlorian count like or is that just me thinking into something too much yeah i don't i don't think he does i mean every living being in the star wars universe has midichlorians to a mm-hmm. certain extent but obviously jedi or force sensitive people have just many much more of a higher count i i think really what it boils down to is din cares about the child yeah and i think the child can sense din's feelings of him Okay. Uh, and that's what he what what you're you're playing at there is the fact that like the child trusts him and and views him as a father figure and uh, someone who's there to help him and take care of him. So he's gonna be more inclined to listen and do things because of that. Okay. Yeah. No. It, it was just like there there were some like little things that like I was like wait up what the hell because she is like hell bent on being like no I I can't train him. Uh, he's got a lot of, and this is when she, you know, mentions the whole Darth Vader. I knew somebody, he was the best of us yep. and he succumbed to the dark side. And, um, that's why she doesn't want to train him. But in that scene where she has him to take that knob and she even says, reach out to him with your emotions. And so she's like, she's almost telling him like, don't like, don't talk, just, you know, have him do it. But of course, Mandalorians are known to be stubborn uh they're just kind of stuck in their way so he to me it felt like he was doing it because you know as as the stepdaddy he wants this kid to to succeed and so he's kind of like telling him hey Brett, like take this and then he uh, does that but then you know we get the whole scene where she name drops a really big planet and she tells him you need to take him to tython and you know she she tells him to sit on what is it the seeing rock yeah yeah the mountain yeah and like i don't know i it could just me being like like i said i mean in other episodes i always talk about how i deep dive into rabbit holes when it comes to like writing and like i try to dissect stories and what i would do with them and i don't know it just felt like she was adamant on him taking him there because like as a jedi knowing this kid could be possibly a Sith, you would want, I think you would want him in your care. Like, Hey, if you're going to turn bad, if you're going to break bad, you're going to be with me. Or if you're going to be good, you're going to be with me. But she's like adamant on sending them both to Tython. So I don't know. I was just like, what if she's trying to send them both because she can sense something in Din? Like what if she wants them both there to see, something that they're not recognizing but i don't know that was just it was just my take on on what was going on but i mean the fact that she mentions tython 
was huge because I remember in one of the, our past episodes, you mentioned this and that's why I know what Tython is. I'm not familiar with that planet to be honest, but I don't know what you mean. I thought you mentioned Tython. No. Oh, cause yeah. So Tython is one of the, uh, I, I could have swore that you mentioned this in one of our past episodes, but yeah, I went back and wanted to learn a little bit more about it, but Tython is the planet that the, essentially the Sith and Jedi originate from. Oh, no, I was discussing, I think, in a prior episode, the planet Ilum. Oh, okay. Uh, where Jedi get their kyber crystals from. Okay, so that, that that's probably it. the snow planet was supposed to be, but it ended up not being that planet. Okay, then yeah, that's probably it. But yeah, so Tython is actually a temple, and way back when there were these ships um, that have a crazy name as well, and they went out into the galaxy and found these high counted metachlorian people like these uh uh force sensitive people and brought them to this planet to this temple and they were essentially what what do they call them the the jedi instead of jedi it was the jedi and it was more or less a gray um what is it uh not what what do they call them the gray like the gray, like there's like light side, dark side, and gray side. Yeah, the gray side. But what are the, those people called? I thought there was like an actual name. No, I mean, there's a lot of people call them gray Jedi. Okay, then that's probably it. It was probably just that simplistic name because <laughs> that does sound familiar. But yeah, so they, these were more or less gray Jedi, and then from there came the uh, the next two, the Jedi and the Sith and the balance and everything like that but yeah so that's where she is sending them is to like the home planet of the jedi the sith and the jedi and she wants him like you said to take him to the highest mountain and um sit on this seeing rock or seeing stone and it will essentially tell you your path um but yeah i mean i i'm really curious as to like where the I, I guess the the meddling is gonna happen. I'm I'm wondering where they're gonna get knocked off course. If this is gonna be the next episode, the the following one, but it's like everything's going so quick right now that it's gonna be like, okay, here we are going off the Tython, and then it's gonna be Gideon. <laughs> and is this episode five that we're on right now? I think so. Yeah, yeah, episode five. So I mean, then that would mean we only got three episodes left potentially. Okay. So it had to kind of move quick, I think, at this point. Do you think that we're going to see this um, storyline come to fruition? Like his uh, Grogu's, I guess, uh, sitting on that the seeing stone? I think that will happen probably in this episode that we're watching next. Um, but I think what we're going to see is going to probably turn the last two episodes into kind of a, a two-parter is um, they put a tracker. On the Razor Crest, they d- yeah, wow, I forgot about and that. And so too. I think they're gonna track Mando and the child to this planet and kind of throw things off a little bit. And then the last two episodes are gonna be all Moff Gideon and Mando stuff because that's how the last season played out too. Was the last couple episodes were all Moff Gideon, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think we're gonna see a similar kind of arc. All right, yeah. Oh my God, I'm just. 
I, I'm so excited for what's coming up next. I mean, like we said, with this storyline, um, or this this episode storyline, it to me was like how I said it was Filoni just dropping everything <laughs> into this cauldron and just mixing it up, and it was future storylines, potential spinoffs, like I said. And one of those that a lot of people are super excited about, and I have a feeling that you are too, because you just mentioned you read all of his books. Oh yeah, would be is it Admiral Thon or Grand Admiral Thon? Uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. So give me a little, a brief, like who is this guy? Because I, so... I I know he's blue, and I know he has a white suit. <laughs> <laughs> So Thrawn, prior to Disney uh, takeover, was basically uh, the next big bad villain for Luke Han and Leia after the Empire fell. He was the one. He was basically the Moff Gideon of the current timeline, okay. uh, where he was the one trying to bridge the Empire back and, and kind of take control. And he uh, caused a lot of havoc because. He's he's brilliant. He's a strategist, and he thinks things through. Like every every possible outcome for a, a, a plan, he's thought of it. So he kind of knows the enemy inside and out, and can predict what's going to happen. Um, once Disney took over, of course, then he was considered legend uh, material at that point. But then. Uh, Filoni had the smartness to bring him into Rebels. Uh, and he is the big bad villain from season two through most of season three and four. And uh, he's still the same kind of character where he's a he's a brilliant uh, imperial strategist. Mm-hmm. He can uh, predict things before they happen. He can plan his enemies' outcomes before they can even think of them. And uh, basically, the implications of her mentioning Thrawn is I think we're going to see Ahsoka maybe a little tiny bit more in this season for Mandalorian, but we're really going to see a live-action Ahsoka TV series, I think. Um, that's actually the, really cool, because now that you mentioned that he's the big bad in Rebels, that actually plays out the whole concept of you mentioning that, you know, this could bring in Ezra. Yes. And I don't, I don't even know if he... I don't know his fate in these shows or anything but how cool would that be to see um freddie prince jr come in as his character like i said i don't know if he's even well he might be dead he might like i don't uh, know yeah uh, spoilers <laughs> spoilers he's kind of dead damn it um, to me it just would have been cool he went out in a blaze of glory it was it was pretty pretty crazy and just sad and I, I was Damn. crying. It was the worst. But but knowing um, Filoni would be in charge of that. I mean, I don't I don't see this dude being against a flashback scene just to get his boy in live action. So um, to kind of give like a brief recap of of where Thrawn or what happens with Thrawn and why Ahsoka's tied to it and Ezra and all that fun stuff. So basically, uh, in Rebels. The uh, Rebels crew comes across these animals. They're basically giant whales. And these whales are the forefathers of hyperspace travel. They can actually naturally do it because that's just part of their 
their being. They, they, well, they can damn. travel through space because it's just kind of the creatures that they are. And uh, <laughs> other races took that and kind of made it their own and built that into space engines and you've got hyperspeed basically. Mm-hmm. So Ezra is uh, a force user for any listeners that haven't watched Rebels. Ezra is a force user uh, who kind of trains to become a Jedi throughout the seasons of Rebels. And his big kind of power is that he can communicate with animals and kind of will animals to do what he needs as far as helping him out in, in times of need. And uh, he kind of befriends these these whales. They're, they're space whales, like no joke. If you look, look you'll see them in, in pictures. They're space whales. And uh, he befriends them and he basically has these space whales uh, attack Thrawn's ship and send Thrawn throughout hyperspace. And we don't know where he is. And uh, Ezra is also on that same ship with Thrawn. Oh, okay. Uh, somewhere in space. And uh, so the the season, the last season of Rebels ends uh, after the fall of the Empire and the mm-hmm. Death Star 2. And you see Ahsoka and Sabine Wren, who is also a Mandalorian, they are trekking down Ezra. They're trying to find him because they, they think that he's still alive. And yeah. so for Ahsoka to ask this lady where Thrawn is, she's trying to find Ezra. And so that's a really big deal. Uh, I think basically what we're going to see is this Ahsoka live action show, if they make it, is basically going to be a live action Rebels series. And I'd be very okay with that. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, I... Like I said, this this episode, and I, I remember even, um, I mean, we we didn't even cover the last fight, but I, I mean, I, actually, we did. We mentioned how she she drops. Well, she conveniently gets one of her sabers knocked out of her hand just to have that fan service that uh, unorth- or unorthodox style that she's um, known for. Which I mean, I I like I said, I don't even know much about her, but seeing that it was iconic and i really enjoyed that little piece that they threw in there for the fans um but yeah i mean the the episode played out to the end as perfectly as it started and um i i just i really enjoyed all the possibilities of future disney plus uh content because like i i don't know much about these characters but i do remember you telling us about I didn't know why he was missing, but I knew you were like, yeah, if if she's coming in, if Ahsoka's coming in, then that means Sabine's going to be there at some point, and they're probably going to be trying to find Ezra. And I remember just sitting there like, and then what happened? Because <laughs> like, I was like super <laughs> excited, and I didn't even know what the hell was going on. But to have that knowledge that you gave all of us in my in my head while I was watching it, and as soon as she mentioned like your master i didn't know who she was talking about and then she finally name drops him and i was like oh joel probably busted right now <laughs> oh man when she mentions thrawn uh i was hoping that it'd be brought up at some point but just that that vindication of knowing that he is he is officially in live action canon now and he is going to be just at some point someone is going to play thrawn and i was telling mary rose this a day or two ago um, I don't know the name of the actor, but it's the guy who plays uh, Malfoy's father in Harry Potter. Uh, Jason Isaacs. 
the lot with the long uh blonde hair yep uh yeah. he's also in that carriers movie with uh chris pine so he has the the face and the just the the tones of voice and and just the overall look and feel of, of a really good Thrawn. If they don't cast him in that role, I'll be disappointed because he is just made for that role. <laughs> You're not down with the uh, um, the Doctor Strange poll that everybody's been talking about for years. Cumberbatch? Yeah. I always no, see him no, no, fan no. cast as that dude. And to me, I don't even know him, but it pisses me off because I'm like, <sighs> MCU fanboys. <laughs> I mean, Cumberbatch kind of has sort of the same kind of like deep voice that Thrawn does. I feel like he but... would be like a con. Um, did you watch the the Star Trek? I don't know oh, if you. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know yep. if you were like a purist and you were like fuck Star Trek. No, no, I like Star Trek. <laughs> okay, but yeah, you know his representation of uh uh Khan from Part Two. Yeah. That's what I feel like everybody's going off of. They're like, oh my god, he should play this guy, and I don't even know anything about him. I just knew his demeanor is kind of like that. So that's what I felt everybody wanted. But when no. You, when, oh god. Yeah. When you when you hear Thrawn talk, he he does have a deep voice, but like he. He talks very kind of slowly and well thought out mm-hmm. um, and very precise and just kind of calm. Even when he's angry, he, his voice and his tone is calm. And uh, I don't I don't know. I, I couldn't see Cumberbatch doing that. Um, no, I agree, though. I, I have seen a couple of uh, clips and in, in like little uh, theories and stuff here and there. And now that I'm looking at Jason Isaacs and stuff and I'm remembering his roles. Yeah. I mean, you're spot on. Mm. And and this dude is, I mean, he's, he's, he's top tier without the recognition or recognition. Like he, he deserves something better. I know that I was talking to a couple people and I mentioned him. Uh, I mean, a lot of people will know him from Harry Potter, but they like you, they won't know his name. And that's why I'm right. saying like he, he deserves more because yeah, he's a great actor. And I was telling people, I would like to see him portray Magneto. I, I think he would be a great Magneto, but I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, I, th- I think the role that you just put him in would be spot on too. We'll see. Yeah. A but, lot of possibility. Oh uh, dude. It, with this one episode, I think it was mandatory that Disney plus and their new CEO let out that news that they're really focusing on their streaming service because after this episode, if they wouldn't have announced that it would have been out of the bag. People would have known already because you don't, you don't pull out that many threads and just be like, all right, we're not really super heavy into Disney plus it's like, no, everybody would know that's your plan. So they had to get a, get ahead of it. It felt like, because yeah, they're, they weren't lying. They're very much focused on their streaming service, especially their um, star Wars universe. And I'm glad they're taking a break from the movies, to be honest. Like the mm-hmm. movies are great and they're, I love them. I love them all. Um, not so much episode eight. Episode eight's kind of weird. I don't know. It's, it's okay. <laughs> Uh, it's just okay, but uh, no, I think that you you're seeing right now that Disney understands that long form storytelling with Star Wars works, mm. and it works really really well in the hands of Filoni and Favreau, and um, 
I, I think you're going to see a lot more of it in the future. They've already confirmed season three for Mandalorian. Ooh, They're yeah. already starting work in production on the Obi-Wan series. There's rumors of a possible Darth Maul series. And uh, now with Ahsoka being really in the picture and confirmed, it's a no-brainer they could do that too. Especially um, with Obi-Wan. Exactly. So just, there's a lot of really good possibility for some excellent storytelling. And I think that long form episodic works works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's even stuff like that you could add on to that. There's the story of the Jedi because people are going to be curious after the Mandalorian uh, visits there, and that there's there's going to be some amazing visuals. I guarantee that, like the the temples and everything that they're going to have to create, it's going to be eye candy. And Anybody who has a brain is going to see that and be like, all right, I want to know what the hell was going on here. <laughs> so unless you know they give who, us a recap, there's going to be something like that, too. Or there should be. You know who I think uh, we're going to come across in the next episode? Who's that? I think we're going to come across uh, Force, Force version of Yoda. Oh, you know, I haven't even thought about that. Uh, so when uh, Ahsoka had a similar moment. And mm-hmm. um, I think it was Rebels, where she had, at this point, been uh, not a Jedi for a long time. She gave up the Jedi Order. She gave up the way of being a Jedi. Um, she still used the Force and lightsabers and stuff, but she was not associated with the Jedi principles of living life, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, at one point, she's trying to help Ezra and uh, uh, everybody just with their plans, and she goes to a Jedi temple with Ezra. And uh, she sits down and she uh, communes with Yoda through the Force. And uh, he kind of helps her find her way back to just being in touch with the Force. And so I think we're going to have a similar thing play out with with the child here in this next next episode where he is going to probably commune with, I think it makes sense to be Yoda. Yeah, because uh, like he's the same ghost race. version. Yeah, and I mean, you you would... Uh, I had a train of thought and then I forgot where I was going. I was basing it off what you were saying, but I completely forgot it. But I mean, uh, how you, how you just said that they've had that route with her. It almost makes sense because she even tells him, um, if he reads, you know, uh, light, if he reads Jedi, a Jedi will come find him. And it's almost like she, she's, anticipating somebody to be there um so here's here's the other thing about that now that i think about it i'm I'm sorry but you're throwing me down some more rabbit holes <laughs> you're I'm good brother now that i'm thinking about it you're good so, tell me uh cal kestis he is a very known actor of course you're right the guy who plays him is in the you don't you don't turn a character in a video game to look just like the actor without the intention of using that actor for live action purposes. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't don't disrespect Darth uh Darth Vader's uh pupil like that, all right? From the what old games. Mean? From the old games. No, Star Killer. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's an no, amazing no, no, no. actor. <laughs> no, but I, I, I agree. And they 
they i want to say even off rip we're calling that that's not canon so i just i feel bad for the kid because he's so like he was he was begging for it he wanted to be something and somewhere at some point and they they never did he got the voice darth maul for like for forever in clone wars that that was because they were trying to make it up to him (laughs) i guess but um what's what's the guy's name who plays cal kestis um he's in shameless he's the joker Um, uh yeah god let me look it up um god but he is uh so the game that he's in takes place after order 66 about by about five years Mm -hmm. and he's probably if i had to guess like 18 or so at that point maybe 20 so uh that would mean that by the time that mando is around he'd be probably late 30s as well he'd be close to ahsoka's age yeah and, and I mean, he he could he could around. he could pull it off. He's twenty seven in real life, uh, so I now know why I thought his name was Cam. Cameron Monahan. <laughs> Cameron yeah. Monahan. Yeah. So Cal, Cam, they they were setting so me up maybe, for failure. Maybe he's the uh, the Jedi that uh, will find the child and train him. Oh, that dude, that would be, so be that would be amazing. Like legit, that would be perfect. And that's something that like I haven't seen people talking about. But god, that would be that would be spot on because like you said that kid is amazing. That dude is such a good actor and to set him up for a character that could be expanded on, why wouldn't you expand on it? Oh yeah. god, now you got now you got me pissed off. Now I'm like <sighs> If Disney doesn't do this, <laughs> but no, I think we'll see Ahsoka a little bit more. But I think that she very much has her own path that is not entwined with the child necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think she de- definitely deserves her own TV series to follow that path. Very and the one so. thing that I didn't, I didn't really mention at first, as far as my overall impressions of Rosario Dawson as that character, mm-hmm. the very subtle just movements of her face. And uh, particularly when she's in battle and you can see kind of her smile or her like her ferocity, those looks on her face. If you watch any kind of a Soka battle in the cartoon form, it is identical. Like, it, it is so flawless. Um, I, I think she just did a, a bang up job. It, it's, it's fantastic. I, I would love to see a whole TV series just devoted to, to Ahsoka. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I actually, and it's funny that you bring that up because I've seen a video where somebody was, had that, had a a fight scene from the animated to there and they were just showing the um, similarities. Yep. But yeah, I mean, Rosario Dawson, I, I love that woman. Like everything I see her in, I'm just like, God, she's amazing. I mean, she's, she's gorgeous. She's an amazing actress and she can pull off so many characters and this one didn't let down at all. She did so great, but I mean, you're right. I I don't see her continuing or continuing on in this storyline. Um, same with uh, Bo. I don't see her being much of a continuation for the story. Uh, other than you know future future possibilities. I think it was just let's get the ball rolling on other things. I mean, they're they're very much doing the Marvel thing in the right way. Yep, they're just building on. They're sprinkling in characters here and there, um, something that still DC cannot do, and it's always been my biggest complaint. Why do you have Wonder Woman busting regular bank robbers when she can be fighting random supervillains? But yeah, 
Yeah, I guess you just need Disney people. <laughs> they know no, how to. They was, know how to build. That's what I was talking about earlier, though. That's what I was mentioning with Filoni. Is he's just really great at at putting small, little, like single lines of dialogue or, mm-hmm. or single moments into an episode or or what have you, and then turning that and, and going back to it at some point and turning it into the most important story arc ever. Uh, so I think you're seeing he's able to do the same thing that Marvel has done. Is you're, you're, he's building the Star Wars universe with Favreau, and uh, I I couldn't be happier. I, I just I'm so glad that Star Wars is finally taking a turn to not only acknowledge the fans of before, but also to to forge forward and, and create new stories that are quality and can bring new people into the fold as far as fans mm-hmm. i can't i i guarantee you if i showed a picture of the child to anybody they would be able to tell you who that was mm-hmm. that's baby Yoda. anybody <laughs> and and that's the same kind of popularity that someone like spider-man or mickey mouse has you know um so i just it, it's great to see that star wars is getting some really good quality proper attention finally and stepping away from the skywalkers like exactly it, it, it deserved that franchise that ip deserved the chance to show hey we can stand without these names we don't we don't need the stepping stool anymore we are bigger than luke skywalker darth vader like they're they're amazing characters don't get me wrong but i mean when you have a universe of stuff to work with. I mean, why not why not play in that sandbox, you know? I agree. But I mean, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I think this is just something fun and amazing for any fan to look forward to after watching uh this week's episode and I I'm assuming just like you edge of my seat waiting for more. Oh, I always. Every <laughs> every Friday, I can't wait. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I feel like I took in enough of your time. Um, I think I'm going to cut it right there. But, hey, thanks so much for uh, hanging out and recording this with me. This was fun. No, it's fun. I mean, I could talk Star Wars. We, we, we just spent almost two hours discussing Star Wars. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm very okay with that. So awesome. well, I, I'm glad. I, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But, yeah, I mean, I appreciate the, uh, the amount of knowledge you just bestowed upon me because – I mean, it, that was a lot. <laughs> I can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes, so I apologize. No, but, I like no, it. No, I, I wanted I, it. I love sharing what I learned, what I know. So, all right. Well, hey, brother, uh, if you are down, I mean, I, I would be willing to do this for the remainder of the, um, the season, just figure yeah. out a day on the weekend and we can, uh, talk about the episode. Cause I know we don't, we don't have enough, um, content to really give you that outlet when it comes to star wars and stuff like that and i know we we do have a following of people who do really enjoy um star wars uh universe as as a whole so i think this would be really fun for them and for you and everything so if you're down i'm down absolutely yeah uh, sign me up man i'm down for it all right awesome well i will uh add in the little um outro say goodbye to all the people but i just want to say uh thanks for hanging out um and you have a great night man all right man i'll see you all right tell mary rose i said the the same oh she's right here oh okay she can hear me (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) well hey thanks for uh thanks for jumping in and sharing and uh yeah thanks for letting me have your uh well i was about to say fiance your husband for that, (laughs) that that amount of time i appreciate it 
<laughs> oh, and then uh, I, I, I'm sure he told you for us, but uh, I haven't said it in person. And since I have you on the line, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> All right, you too. I'll let you uh, enjoy your night. All right, buddy. I'll see you. All right, take care.